want to greet each one of you in Jesus' name this morning. It's good to be here and uh, share together, encourage each other, and praise our Lord. I do want to take this opportunity to uh, say thank you for uh, your help since our baby uh, showed up a few weeks ago. Little Zeb is here with us today, and uh, you all have done well in just uh, taking care of food and and uh, helping out with laundry and all the other things that need help with. When mama's not, when mama's distracted, why the uh, train can go off the rails pretty quickly. So we've been blessed, and uh, thanks again for your help and, and support in this time. I'd like to again uh, look here at Matthew chapter 5 at the Beatitudes. We are now ready for the seventh blessed in verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. I believe it's in our hearts, all of us, to want to be at peace, to be peacemakers, and to be children of God. And we consider ourselves children of God. I know our children tend to mimic our actions, whether that's good or not so good sometimes. We have these little mirrors running around of us, and we as Christians are called to mirror the image of Christ. And so it's a blessing to be called the children of God, to be known as peacemakers. And I hope as we look at this verse that you can be encouraged and uh, challenged. I know I was as I studied and uh, prepared uh, for today. So a Christian believer is a peacemaker. I think we are known or seen as or looked up to as people that should be making peace and not people who are fighting. To even mention, and to have it mentioned in Scripture that we're even supposed to be peacemakers, I think insinuates that we are living in a world of strife. And I believe we would all agree to that in the world. Uh, countries are at war. There's a war going on in Ukraine. There's a conflict in our government. People say, never have we been so divided. And I agree. There's, there's just a huge division. And sometimes you wonder what would happen if the two sides would look for what they could agree on rather than for what they don't agree on. In our communities, there's differences of opinion. In our churches, we don't always see eye to eye on how to work things out and how to make practical application from Scripture. And we see things differently. Even in our families, we disagree at times. Uh, as spouses, we, we're, we're just so different, and uh, somehow we need to learn to work together and work it out and agree figure out what we can agree on, and um, team together well. Uh, there's there's a conflict between parents and children and then between siblings. Yesterday, I was with uh, Carson, and we were hunting, and uh, we saw this. We thought it was a squirrel at first, but here was a, a porcupine up in a tree. It was about uh, 20 feet up in the tree, and it was a little tree, and it was up there eating leaves and branches. I didn't know they climbed trees and, and do that. 
A little while later, we heard some rustling in the underbrush, and eventually we saw another big porcupine was heading up the tree. And uh, we're like, wow, we wonder what's going to happen. There's going to be a porcupine fight 20 feet off the ground in a little tree. Uh, we decided it'd be best not to go walk underneath the tree while they're up there. And uh, the big one got to the top, and, and we heard some noises. Now, they didn't get into a fight, but I don't know if they were trying to work it out whose tree this is, or if they're going to share how it was going to work. But nature around us, we see conflict and strife at times. And what about in our own hearts? Are we at peace within ourselves, personally? I think maybe that's the big question. How do we live in a world where Satan is at work and God is calling us to live holy lives? We... We come to church on Sunday, we encourage each other, we're strengthened, we go home and we fight lies, we fight things that come into our minds and we struggle. Our spirit wants to follow God and our flesh is at, at times just weak. It's already been said that Satan kindles the fire of strife in men's hearts strife and contention, and then he stands there and warms himself by the fire. And we look around, we see strife everywhere we look. We don't have to look far. Sometimes we are um, observing strife that we don't care to even observe. But God has called us to be peacemakers and has talked about peacemakers as being the children of God. So how do we live in this world and be peacemakers? I believe some of us has a per, have a personality that just lends itself to peacemaking. Um, whatever we need to do to come to agreement here, right? And it's good to have those people around. They see both sides and they, they bring it together. Some of us tend to avoid conflict. And so we're rarely, if ever, in a disagreement. And yet... Um, and maybe we're seen as peacemakers. Maybe we're not as much peacemakers as other people think. Some of us are uh, more okay with conflict and maybe even drawn to conflict. And people like that aren't always seen as being peacemakers. Maybe we want to jump into the conflict and be part of it. But I believe all of us can and should be peacemakers. And so we'll look at our hearts here this morning as uh, Jesus is focusing on here in the Beatitudes, as he is encouraging us to grow in him. I don't think any of us have arrived at the place where we feel we have this figured out, how to be a peacemaker. And as we walk the Christian journey as we draw near to God and become more and more like him. I believe our skills or the way we relate with people, the peace that we bring to situations should grow. And this is a growing thing for all of us. And as we grow, it's a journey. We, I believe some of us look ahead and we have a pretty clear picture of, of how we need to grow. And it looks pretty overwhelming, and sometimes we don't really have a vision of who we could become. And so we lack progress. 
And yet God is calling us to move forward in being peacemakers. And there's, there's a lot of things that people around us look at and, and uh, maybe judge us as to whether we're Christians or not. But when it comes to peacemaking and being at peace, that is a big one that people really, really, they really do expect the church to lead the way in making peace. I believe though we live in a broken world and fallen world where there's really difficult situations sometimes and the longer we live life the more we come to the realization that there will be situations that we just that don't end up the way we would like them to end. And specifically, when it does come to relationships and peace, things end up in confusion. Um, things don't make sense, and they, you know they won't ever really make sense. You don't see a way forward. Hard and painful times, times where we just wonder what God is really up to. And so we find ourselves at a place where moving forward in relationship or making peace almost looks like it's not an option so is it us is it them is God doing a work in our hearts through this is Satan doing his best to separate and discourage I don't know if we always have answers when it comes to these things uh, Larry read in uh, Psalms 55 he read that chapter and there's a few verses here that uh, he mentioned, verse 13. A few of these verses stood out to me. This is David talking about, in verse 12 actually, is, he says, For it was not an enemy that reproached me, then I could have borne it. And my mind goes to Shimei and the way he treated David at a time when David wasn't doing well. And David responded in a beautiful way, did not retaliate, did not get angry. Um, did not take it personal. Then I could have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me, that did magnify himself against me. Then I would have hid myself from him. But it was thou, a man, mine equal, my guide, and mine acquaintance. And looking into the background of this chapter, this is talking about Ahithophel. Uh, Ahithophel was David's counselor. He, in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 16, verse 23, it says, the, And the counsel of Ahithophel, which he counseled in both those days, was as of a man had inquired at the oracle of God. And this was the man that David's talking about here. Mine equal, my guide, and mine acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked unto the house of God in company. Let that seize upon them and let them go down quick into hell, for wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. And I believe David was experiencing deep disappointment with, with uh, life and relationships with God, or he's pouring out his heart to God about Ahithophel. And uh, David went on to pray that 
in uh, Samuel would pray that God would turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. And later the end is that Ahithophel went and hung himself when it was clear that Absalom was not going to take the kingdom. So what do we do with situations like this? Very, very difficult situations. And yet God has called us, I believe, to be peacemakers. So peacemakers, it does take two people to make peace. It's not just one-sided. And yet God is calling us as Christians to walk in that. God himself is a God of peace. There are so many references we could look at in Hebrews, 1 Thessalonians, and Romans. It refers to God being a God of peace. He sent his spirit as a dove. And when we, when we see a dove, we think of peace. And Jesus, in, in coming to earth to save us from our sins, he wanted to reconcile us to him. And there's no logical explanation of why he came to earth. And I really appreciated what Randy shared this morning. Uh, he, it's just such a gift. There's no reason for him to come down and die for our sins. And God, I believe, wanted to bring peace to us, peace to our hearts, and reconcile the relationship with God through Jesus and his death on the cross. And so there's so many examples that we can get from Scripture as we look at the life of Jesus and how he moved towards us as sinners, as people who have wronged him. And he loved us before we loved him. He loved us without requiring that we love him in return. And as peacemakers, when we look at the life of Jesus, I believe our lives need to reflect the work that Jesus did as he came to earth, walked with us, and died for our sins. So what is God calling us as Christians to do? In a world torn with conflict, with problems, he's calling us to be a peacemaker. 1 Corinthians 7.15, God has called you to peace. And I believe this is our God-given calling. Wherever we go, in our churches, in our families, in our workplaces, God is asking us to bring peace within ourselves into the situation. Proverbs 12, verse 20 says, Deceit is in the heart of them that imagine evil, but to the counselors of peace is joy. And I think we could paraphrase this to say those who plan for peace those who study peace, those who strategize about having peace, there is joy. And joy is not just the absence of conflict, but it's enjoying what is good. Hebrews twelve fourteen: Follow peace with all men, and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. We can think of anything we want to be doing in life, and if there's strife there, we probably don't want to be doing it. But if there's peace there, we are comfortable. 
And I believe this is why God has called us to be people of peace. And then peace comes from our own hearts. And actually peace comes, first of all, I believe, from our own hearts. People are peacemakers, I believe, because they have peace within themselves. Sometimes you, uh, you may know of someone who everywhere they go, there's a lot of conflict. Uh, whether it's at home, it's at work, it's at church. Whatever they're involved in, there's a lot of conflict. It seems to follow them around. And yet, I believe people who, who are involved in those situations all the time are carrying a lot of conflict inside of them. Unresolved conflict. Think of it sometimes as, as a, a cup full of water. If you bump someone that's carrying a cup full of water, they may drop the cup, but they'll probably at least spill some of it if it's full. And as you're relating with the public, sometimes you meet these people who, who uh, you, you, you bump against them or you watch someone bump against them and their water gets spilled. And they go from quiet to yelling and cursing and really getting upset. And in those situations, I think you just bumped into someone who had a cup full of conflict, unresolved conflict that they were carrying with them. So we ourselves are to be full of peace and be able to give that to others. We cannot give what we do not have. And if, and if we go back to the beatitude preceding this one, it talks about the pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And I believe this beatitude naturally follows that one because peace in our heart does flow from a life of purity. We are first of all called to be pure in heart so that we can have peace in our hearts. James 3.17, For the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated. First pure, then peaceable. So a peaceful heart flows out of a life of purity. If we're divided, we want contradictory things at the same time, and that's going on in our hearts. And it's hard then to be at peace personally and to bring peace to situations. James 4.1, From whence come wars and fightings among you, come they not hence, even of your lusts that warn your members. When your passions are at war, and James 1.8, the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And then the Bible goes on to say that there is no peace for the wicked because they are not pure. So God is calling us to a life of purity, a life of, of one desire, not divided. And after that, calling us to peace. So we need the peace of God in our hearts, and that comes from pursuing purity. And so we not only have peace in our hearts, but we are intentional about bringing that peace to those around us, and we bring that peace because we have it within our own hearts. And then I'd like to share a few strategies, maybe for being a peacemaker, 
we first of all, of course, need it in our hearts. But what, what, do we, what does the actual outworking of being a Christian who is called by God to be a peacemaker, how does that look? And I think as we think about growing up in our homes, as we look back on growing up in our homes, how was conflict handled? That's an interesting question. And there's such a wide range of how conflict is handled in any home. In some homes, no one, ever, no one would ever talk about problems. That can be one extreme, so there was never conflict. In other homes, we always talk about issues, and there's lots of conflict. There may be pros and cons to both. But what does it look like for us as Christians called by God to be peacemakers? First of all, I believe we need to recognize where and when there is a problem. When we read the book of Jeremiah in chapter 6, the prophets, the false prophets, would tell people what they wanted to hear. And we all want to hear that things are at peace, right? That there's no problem. And so they would go around saying peace, peace, when there is no peace. And it didn't change the reality of that there was a problem. They were just not recognizing. So we as Christians are called to recognize when there is a problem. I believe as men we can uh, try to find a way to dismiss issues sometimes or not think about it. Maybe it will go away. Problems rarely tend to fix themselves. uh, The older I get, the more I'm convinced of that. And honesty, I believe, is crucial to making peace. Just to be honest about a situation, sometimes that means thinking through it in our own hearts and minds. Sometimes it's talking through it with someone else as we recognize when there is a problem. Another way of of, uh, making peace, I believe, is to deal with conflict early on. In uh, Proverbs 17, verse 14, it talks about the beginning of strife is like the letting out of water. And uh, this summer, when we were on a uh, family trip, we, I believe we were in Tennessee, and we were at a campground, and of course with, with uh, children, we end up playing in the creek. So we were in the creek the one day. And a uh, fairly nice creek, and there's a little trickle of water coming in from the side, probably from a string, a spring. And so we set aside to, to building this, this dam. We dug out and we built walls around, and we soon had a nice little pond there. And the key was to stay ahead of the water. So the more water flowed in, the bigger you had to build your dam. And just as soon as you saw a little bit of water going over the dam, you quickly needed to, to raise, raise the height. Or that little stream of water would quickly become bigger and bigger, and all of a sudden the whole dam would blow out. And uh, so we had a lot of fun playing with that. But I believe that's how it is with conflict. There's a time in marriage, there's a time in relationship where it's the beginning of strife. It's something that you can fix, something that you can reconcile. And then there also comes a time when the dam breaks 
and there's no putting the water back in again without a lot of work. <clears throat> Think of the story of uh, Nabal and his wife Abigail when David was in the wilderness with his herds and herdsmen. They protected them. David knew that uh, Nabal was having his sheep sheared, so he sent ten men to to go talk to the shearers and ask for some food or whatever they could give them to meet their needs. And so the servants went to Nabal, and Nabal was very uh, provocative in the way he addressed the situation. He said, who's David? I don't, yeah, who is this man? And I think he knew well who David was. One of the servants had the foresight to go to Nabal's wife, Abigail, and tell her what happened. And it says, if you look at those scripture, she quickly gathered food and went to meet David. And David was already on the way with 400 men and um, was planning to kill all the men in uh, Nabal's household and his servants. And we saw, so we see Abigail... She dealt with the conflict early before it became something that uh, had big consequences. <clears throat> I think God calls us as Christians to be peacemakers and to address things early on and not let them get big. Another, another way we can be peacemakers is to hold our tongue. In James 1.19, it says, Let every man be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. And that verse is a hard one to follow. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Most times when we hear someone talk to us, we are thinking of a response already and getting ready to respond without actually hearing what they have to say. And so we, we totally miss it. Peacemakers will hold back and be silent when they really feel like unloading. I believe our culture around us has set forth uh, this idea of we need to express ourselves and that's what we that's our right. We and people need to hear us. And yet, what if we hold our tongues? Do we always have to say what we think? And what would happen if we don't express ourselves unless it is done with someone else's good in mind? So practice restraint when there's honest conversation. God knew what he was doing when he gave us two ears and one mouth instead of two mouths and one ear. I think sometimes we probably feel like using both of them if, if uh, God would have given them to us. But he is asking us to, to practice restraint, to be a person of peace. And think about this way. If God would say what's on his mind and unload on us, how would that end up? How would that feel? Could we handle it? I don't think we could, and he would be right. And yet God chooses to work with us where we're at 
moving us closer and closer to his image over our lifetime. And I think we do well to, to do that with each other also. In uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, there's a few verses I'd like to look at there. This is, uh, this is talking about self-control. This is talking about following the example of Christ when he was abused, when he was treated wrongly. And if there's anyone who, who had a right to be upset, to unload on people, it was Christ on the cross. So many wrongs were done to him, and yet he opened not his mouth. In verse 19 it says, First uh, Peter chapter 2, For this is thankworthy, if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it if, when you are buffeted for your faults, ye should take it patiently? But if, when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even hereunto ye were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. And then verse 22, who did not sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. <coughs> and I believe we can hand those things over to God to when we experience things in life that just create a lot of unrest within us that we have a hard time reconciling. And then also as we're peacemakers, another thing we should do is prepare for a long journey. We like to fix things before lunchtime, hopefully, but we can't always fix things that day yet or the next day or the next week or month or year. And I believe we need to prepare for a long journey at times when we Seek peace and pursue it, as it says in First Peter chapter 3. It won't be easy to find. It may be hidden. When divisions run deep, prepare for a long journey ahead. Peacemaking is a process, it's not an event. And the real root of our problems, each of our problems, is that we have been born with a sin nature. And if you look at God... And the way he has patiently sought peace, sought reconciliation for men since the beginning of creation, I believe it gives us a picture of his heart and what he is wanting us to do. Think of the children of Israel and God dealing with them. It was quite the journey. <clears throat> and there is still a journey of God dealing with us and patiently waiting, patiently there, waiting for us to come to him. And we can always take the first step when it comes to making peace. Romans twelve twenty: if, if thine enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Just something simple can go a long way. The way words are said, the way a situation is handled. When our enemy's in need, we are asked to help him. 
What can we do to make the situation better instead of making the situation worse? A big one, too, I believe, is we should aim for humility and not for humiliation. <clears throat> Philippians 2.8, and being found in human form, God humbled himself. When we think of the time with the Israelites, God, when he was giving the law, his voice thundered. Um, the people were scared. And yet, when he speaks to us, he veils his glory. He comes as Jesus Christ, and he walks alongside of us and works with us. He humbles himself. He makes peace through us, to us through his love and not his power. And in turn, his love constrains us as Christians. So if we are, we are to be like God, I believe we need to be filled with grace. When we've been wrong, do we want uh, to be vindicated? Do we delight in seeing our enemies squirm? Or do we want peace? I believe as peacemakers, we always need to Aim for humility and never humiliation. And then trust the injustices that we have been treated with or suffered to God. They're really not for us to carry and they're for God to deal with as he sees best. And the last one I have here is as peacemakers, I believe that God has called us to share the gospel of peace because we are excited about reconciling people to God and seeing peace happen in their lives. So God's a God of peace. We are called to be peacemakers and to be the children of God. God bless each one of you and give us grace as we walk on this earth in the middle of conflict and have many opportunities to, to bring peace to others through being at peace in our own hearts. Let's kneel for prayer.